Insole International, in conjunction with the Early Research Academics Committee, presents Insole Talks. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Insole Talks. My name is Richard Pritz. Our guest today is Hermi Kutsia from South Africa. She is the Dean of the Faculty of Law of Academia, which is a private higher education institution in South Africa. And the topic that we will be chatting about today is Nina debtors. So a certain category of debtors, and we will specifically look at where they fit into the insolvency law system, specifically in the South African context, because there has been some interesting developments in that jurisdiction recently, which Harmi knows a lot about and that she will share with us today. So hello, Harmi. Welcome. Good day, Richard. Thank you for having me. It's good to speak to you today. Thank you for being here. So let's jump right in. Perhaps you can start off by just telling us a little bit about what a NINA debtor is. And specifically in the South African context, what does that mean in South Africa? Thank you, Richard. NINA debtors are those insolvent debtors with nominal assets and or income. In South Africa, such debtors represent the vast majority of natural person insolvents. Sometimes in the broader definition of no income, no asset debtors, NINA debtors, LILA debtors, or low income, low asset debtors are also included. On a very basic level and in the South African context, we can say it is where insolvency law and poverty overlaps. That is where we will find our NINA debtors or NINA consumers. What are the the main types of debt that they would typically struggle with, these types of consumers? In the South African context, that is unsecured credit. These consumers do not generally have secured credit agreements. However, many of the debt also resort from other obligations, for instance, medical obligations that the debtors are unable to service. Municipal accounts in South Africa, that is a a major thing. So not always main credit agreement obligations. In many instances, there's other types of debt involved as well, although unsecured credit is a major part of NINA debtors' over-indebtedness or the reason therefore. How do these debtors currently fit into the South African insolvency law system? Is there an answer for them? Is there a process that they can follow to obtain debt relief of some kind? Unfortunately, Richard, South Africa and the South African Insolvency Act heavily subscribes to the advantage for creditors requirement or principle, and it lags behind modern international trends by not providing relief for debtors forming part of the lower tiers of the economy, if I can, can put it like that. In South Africa, we say that you can be too poor to go bankrupt, and that means that you do need to have sufficient assets and or income in order to qualify for a insolvency measure. That could be a liquidation process with a tailpiece or a tailpiece thereof, obviously a discharge of debt or a reorganization of debt. In South Africa, 
reorganization measures, there's no discharge for that. So even if Nina Detto or Lila Detto, by some miracle, are able to access the repayment measures, then there's no discharge at the end of that measure. Actually, you need to show a viable proposal to credit providers. In other words, if you do not have sufficient assets to qualify for the liquidation process, which we refer to as the sequestration process and thereby achieve a discharge, and you do not have sufficient income to at least offer a viable proposal to creditors, and I again state there's no discharge, not even a reduction of interest rates available there, then you will not be able to enter any insolvency measure in the South African context. Okay, and as I understand it, you've done a lot of research yourself on this, and I know you've also looked at the the impact of human rights or constitutional law on this issue or the, the failure of the South African system to provide for MENA debtors. Can you just briefly summarize what is the constitutional dimension to this issue? The South African constitution subscribes to the right to equality in section 9 of our constitution. It's part of our Bill of Rights. And yes, we've done studies and the conclusion of that is that the exclusion of MENA debtors result in unjustifiable, unfair discrimination based on those debtors' socioeconomic status. And therefore, basically, it keeps those consumers in everlasting poverty, which is obviously also from an economic perspective and not only constitutional perspective problematic, especially in the South African context. So are there any new developments in South African law um, to find a solution to this problem? Yes, fortunately, there is the National Credit Amendment Act. That would be Act 7 of 2019 that was signed into law on the 15th of August 2019. The idea behind this amendment or proposed amendment to the National Credit Act, because it's not effective as yet, is to provide a NINA measure to exactly this group of of debtors in South Africa. We will refer to that as the debt intervention process once it becomes operative. Thanks. And can you summarize how this process will work? How will um, debtors be able to find relief in this process? If we look at this process from a NINA debt or debt relief perspective, there's good elements in this particular process and we are very optimistic that it it will assist consumers or the larger part of consumers. There's certainly a lot of criticism still, but basically how it will work is that the consumer will apply to the national consumer, uh, national credit regulator and the national credit regulator, that's as it says, the regulator of the credit industry in South Africa, will consider the consumer's application Basically, you need to have no more than 50,000 rand in outstanding unsecured debt and a maximum gross income of no more than 7,500 rand per month. If you qualify and you're over-indebted and you're honest but unfortunate, then the National Credit Regulator will refer this matter to the National Consumer Tribunal and the tribunal will see whether your debt can be rearranged in a period of five years. And if it can solve, then they will channel the consumers to that particular rearrangement process. However, if that is not 
a viable option in this context, and it will not be a viable option for Nina debtors, then the National Consumer Tribunal may send those obligations for 12-month period. After 12 months, this process is again applied, so the National Credit Regulator will again investigate, refer the matter to the National Consumer Tribunal. Once again, the tribunal will consider whether rearrangement will suffice. If that is not the case, then after at least a 24-month period, there is a possibility of a discharge or an extinguishment of the unsecured debt in this particular instance. What is good about that, obviously, South Africa, our courts are heavily backlogged. And in this particular instance, the National Credit Regulator and the National Consumer Tribunal will see to it that the that processes are followed and will make the decision at the end of the day. So at least this will not place undue burdens on our courts and therefore delays the process. How does this process compare to developments globally in other countries? Do you think it's a, it's a good process? Or do you have any other points of criticism about its current form or how it will work? There are a few matters. As I've stated, in South Africa, again, we we do not follow modern international trends as far as insolvency law is considered, or at least we could pay more attention to that. So still there is, if you look at the National Credit Act, where this particular procedure will fit into a major objective of the National Credit Act is that debt will be serviced, that all debt will be paid off. The acts particularly do not really subscribe to a discharge of debt, except if there's reckless credit involved. So we still do have that principle or philosophy in South Africa, the advantage for creditors principle, and it is also pertinent in the National Credit Act. Fortunately, here we do have a measure in extreme circumstances where there's a possibility for a discharge for these debtors. One of the problems with this particular procedure is that it doesn't form part of insolvency law in South Africa, and it will still not form part thereof. The measure will not be introduced into the Insolvency Act. And that is one of the criticisms against the South African insolvency system as a whole, in that we have various pieces of legislation regulating insolvency law. We have the of natural persons. We have the Insolvency Act with the sequestration measures. We have the Magistrates' Court Act with admin uh, administration measures. We have the National Credit Act with date review. And now, yet again, another procedure that will be introduced to the National Credit Act, which is not primarily there to regulate insolvent circumstances. So it is this procedure now fits into an act that is primarily there to regulate credit. Some of the problems that result from that is obviously that debt that do not qualify as credit agreements will be excluded from this particular measure. And therefore, it prohibits holistic consideration of the consumer's financial circumstances. So only credit agreements can qualify. Therefore, municipal um, debt will be excluded. Medical bills in some instances will, will be excluded from this particular procedure. Another major concern um, is the 50,000 rand cap on unsecured credit. It is very low in the South African context. And then obviously also that you need to have a maximum gross income of at least 7,500 rand. 
Therefore, although this process will definitely assist, I hope, the vast majority of Nina dentists in South Africa in some way or the other, the question remains, what about those who will now yet again be excluded? So now we have four procedures in South Africa. Yes, we do make, or we do now provide for some Nina dentists, but there will still be consumers that fall through the cracks. Then just uh, perhaps another point to mention is that in the South African context, and and that is a a peculiar provision in both debt review, that is the procedure that we currently have in the National Credit Act, and that will still be be there, and now we have the second one, debt intervention. In both of these procedures, Credit agreements where credit providers proceeded to take steps to enforce those agreements are excluded from the particular procedure, which again stifles a holistic consideration of the consumer's financial problems. Okay, thanks. Um, has there been any pushback from persons in the industry, like credit providers, for example, who might resist the idea of discharge for such a large category of debtors? Yes, Richard, I I think um, many uh, people acknowledge from all parts of industry and all stakeholders that something needs to be done to assist these consumers and to introduce them into the economy again. It will not only be be good for the consumers, uh, but also for the economy at large, especially if you look at in the South African context at the economy and the uh, big dominating in the, in the economy and that, you know, the, the major problems that we have, that we're one of the most unequal societies in the world. So I think the, the people know that something needs to be done. However, there is an argument from some parts of industry that such a liberal discharge, although I do not think it's, it's very liberal, if you consider and compare that with international jurisdictions or other jurisdictions, that it will impact on credit providers' rights to property. Now, in the beginning of this session, we referred to Section 9 of the Constitution, the the right to equality, and we said that that is one of the major motivations for for the introduction of the debt intervention measure that we will see for NINA debtors. Now, there's a different argument to state that if debt will be discharged, that credit providers' rights to property and that is Section 25 of the Constitution, um, will be infringed. In South Africa, studies has been done, especially in light of Section 25 of the Constitution, and it has been found that although there will be an impact on the property rights, it will not be arbitrary and it, it will be a justifiable impact on property rights in South Africa. So. I do not believe that it's a very strong argument from a constitutional perspective. Okay. I know that one of the the commentaries by the parliament, they did refer to one of your publications, if I'm not mistaken. How does it feel that they referred to your work? And do you think they took your work seriously and that it made a contribution in some way? Thank you, Richard. I certainly hope so. <laughs> I come from a law clinic background, from um, a street law or poverty law uh, background specifically, and I've worked with Nina Datis in practice for, for many years, and therefore I really hope that in some small way there has been a contribution. The work that they specifically refer to is the work on 
the unconstitutionality of the status quo that we have and that the fact that Nina debtors are ex- excluded at present unjustifiably infringe on Section 9, the equality rights, and then also, obviously, that such consumers exit the formal economy and enter into the informal economy and with the um, unfortunate impact, therefore, on larger societies, communities, and obviously also on the economy. So it's not only there, or the proposal is not only to assist Nina debtors in the sense that, that we do have a responsibility to assist debtors in need because we all benefit from credit in South Africa and therefore we all need to bear the risk thereof, but also to assist those consumers to be reintroduced to the formal economy and again become productive members of the South African economy. Perhaps as a, as a final question, I just want to also find out whether in South Africa there are measures in place to prevent um, such debtors from becoming over-indebted to begin with. I mean, it's one thing to provide relief after the fact, but how does that fit into the way in which they become indebted to begin with? That is a very good question. The National Credit Act that we've referred to now and where the data intervention procedure will fit into once it becomes operative That is one of the major purposes of the NCA, is to prevent reckless credit extension in the South African context. And I think it has been successful in that particular sphere. However, we must remember, once again, considering the South African circumstances, South African landscape, that many consumers will now not be able to access credit in the formal system due to the stringent measures of the National Credit Act to prevent over-indebtedness and to discourage reckless credit will obviously turn to the unregulated industry. We refer to to such credit providers as uh, machinisas in the South African context. And then obviously there's no regulation of of such informal sector. It's very difficult to, to regulate that. But I do believe that overall, the National Credit Act definitely contributed um, to a much more healthy credit regime in South Africa. Okay, thank you. I think and that's basically all the questions that I have for you. We all look forward to see how all of this will turn out in the long run in South Africa, especially when this process eventually becomes operative and it will be very interesting to see how it works and how it will function in future. Just perhaps as a final word or two, how do you think this will play out in future if you were to speculate? Are there any snacks or any potential pitfalls that we will have to look out for? Do you think it will be a big success? Just what are your general thoughts as a final remark? I'm an optimist. So (laughs) I do believe that it, it will definitely uh, provide access to debt relief for the vast majority of over-indebted consumers in South Africa. And I hope that it will also spur economic growth as far as that particular tier of the economy is concerned. However, this is a first for South Africa. The National Credit Regulator, the National Consumer Tribunal has not been involved in any such ventures in the past. And they will be teething problems. But uh, overall, I think that we can overcome anything. And at least this is a step in the right direction. Well, thank you very much, Agni, for joining us. That was a very interesting discussion. 
And we look forward to hearing again from you one day in future to get an update on all of these things as soon as the law becomes operative. I'm sure many people across the globe will be interested to see how things turn out. But thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Riechar. If you have enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast provider so you don't miss an episode. Contact us on LinkedIn and Twitter at Insol International using the hashtag InsolTalks. The information provided is intended for a general audience and reflects the personal views of the participants. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Thank you for listening. <laughs>